Jesse, what you want to open us with a prayer, please? Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you've given to us. Saying that these people just are here and they don't want to sit outside in the cold and think they would come and do a Bible study. Amen. Father, we do want to thank you for the season of Christmas. It's when we commemorate when you sent your son to be born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Jesus, thank you for being the servant to the Father and going to the cross and dying for our sins and that your Holy Spirit would be here and that you would put a hedge of protection around each one of the Christians that are here today. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So tonight's lesson is going to be from the book of Matthew, and it's from chapter 2. And I'm going to read the first verses, 1 through 16. And the title of this message is The Wise Men and King Herod. And we're going to look at the contrast between these two groups of people, the wise men and then specifically Herod and his advisors. Matthew 2, 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it should be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof, from two years and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired 
of the wise men. So if you turn to the top of page two, we're going to look at four points tonight. And the first point is the wise men worship Jesus as Lord, God, and Savior. These men came to Jesus and they came to worship him. They believed that he was true God. Herod, on the other hand, was wicked and vile. And he sought to kill Jesus because he looked at Jesus as a threat to his throne. Matthew 2.1 Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Why did Joseph and Mary need to go to Bethlehem? Luke 2, 3, and 4 tell us, and all went to be taxed. They had to go register and pay their taxes. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because Joseph was of the house and lineage of David. So they were living way up in Nazareth. That's 100 miles north of Bethlehem. So that in itself would be a long journey. It says it was in the days of King Herod. The New Testament has five men that are called Herod. This Herod is referencing Herod the Great as distinguished from other members of his family named Herod. It also says there were wise men that came from the east. How far east they came, we don't know. But most scholars think they came from that area called Babylon, which is several hundred miles north and east of Bethlehem. Other scholars think they may have come from the Far East, like India, or perhaps even China. No matter where they came from, it was a long, arduous journey. Strong's Greek Dictionary gives us the definition of these wise men. They're called magi, magos, and that's of a foreign origin. It means magician, oriental scientist, or a sorcerer by implication. They were priests, astronomers, and they dwelled primarily in Persia and Arabia. Because these men are saved, there's no way that they would be sorcerers. Because sorcerers are demon-possessed, are demon-influenced. God would never have people come to worship him who are under demonic oppression or under demonic control. Matthew 2.2, saying, Where is he born of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. They were led by this mysterious light. Mysterious because the Bible really doesn't define it. Some people try to say, well, these were the conjunction of stars, you know, the planets aligning, that sort of thing. That seems to really be grasping at straws because I think it was just a light that was in front of them from the Holy Spirit. Perhaps it was an angel and it led them from the far east where they were all the way to Jerusalem. They came to Jerusalem because that was the capital and that's where a king would reside. Daniel, when he was taken captive by the Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar, they went to Babylon and he lived there. During the 70 years when they were captive, at the release at the end of the 70 years, Daniel didn't come back. And it's interesting also that when Daniel wrote his book, he didn't write it in Hebrew or Greek. He wrote it in Arabic. And these people from the Arab Far East, they probably would have spoken Arabic. They were believers. They read the Bible. So they knew the approximate time that Jesus would be born at the end of the 69 weeks. 
So it seems that they were indeed Bible scholars. Numbers 24, 17 says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheph. This is a foreshadowing. Numbers was written by Moses 1,500 years before Christ. And yet, it's talking about Jesus coming and being the king and the ruler. John 5.23, now this was written after Jesus had ascended into heaven. That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which has sent him. So John is teaching us that we need to honor Jesus. Because if we don't honor Jesus, we don't honor the Father. And Jesus, indeed, he said, the Father and I are one. And no man can go into heaven except by going through Jesus. You have to receive him as your personal Savior. Matthew 2, 3. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Herod is a very interesting character. He was born and raised in Edomia, which is south of Jerusalem. He was half Jew and half Gentile. So one of his bloodlines came through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The other bloodline came from Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. So half of him, he was Edomite. The Jews hated the Edomites and vice versa. Being a half, literally a half breed, half Jew, half Gentile, he was not allowed to go into the temple to worship. King Herod is known for two things. One was all of his vast building programs. He rebuilt the temple on the Temple Mount, and just one side of the temple was 1,000 feet long. It was the most beautiful building in the world at that time, but he couldn't go into worship. The other thing King Herod was known for was his wicked, anger, and murderous sin nature. He was made governor of Galilee when he was 25. When he was in his mid-30s, Mark Anthony made him the king of Judea. Now, he wasn't the rightful king, but Caesar made him the king because Caesar had a vast geographic area to rule. He didn't want countries coming and causing insurrection against his might. So what he would do is would appoint kings, and they were to put down any unrest, and they had freedom to kill anybody that they thought was a threat. And this is what Herod wanted. So the first thing he did when he became the king of Judea is he killed 45 of the 70 priests that were members of the Sanhedrin. Of course, the Jews hated him. They wanted him gone. Then he thought, well, I know how to fix this problem. It's a political issue. I will marry into the family of the high priest that's supposed to sit on the throne. So what he did is he married the sister of the man who was supposed to be the king. Now the mother-in-law didn't like this. She hated Herod. So she sent an ambassador back to Rome and was trying to coerce Caesar to make her son the rightful king and to dethrone Herod. Herod found out about it. He killed his mother-in-law. He killed his brother-in-law, who would have been the king, who was the rightful king, and then he killed his wife. Herod married ten times. All in all, he killed three of his sons. 
And five days before he died, on his deathbed, he was very sick. There were literally worms crawling in and out of his body. He put his son in jail, and he took and killed his son that was in his will to be the next heir in line, to be the next king. And he knew that everybody in Jerusalem hated him. Before he died, he said, you go out and you arrest 1,000 of the important people in the city. And the guards did it. And they put those 1,000 people in jail. And the reason he did that, he said, when I die, nobody will mourn. So you kill those 1,000 people. And after I die, there will be true mourning in Jerusalem. Now, when he died, the guards let the people go. But that shows you the mindset that King Herod had. He was wicked. And that's why he wouldn't think about killing any of these babies that were two years and under. He wouldn't give it a second thought. Where does this spirit come from that's against God? This spirit of Antichrist that's fighting in the spirit world. Genesis 3.15. We go back to the first book of the Bible. This is God speaking to Satan. And I will put enmity. Enmity means war. I will put war between you and the woman. The woman being the Virgin Mary. And between your seed the people that follow Satan, and her seed, which is Jesus. It shall bruise your head. In Hebrew, the word bruise means crush. So God is saying to Satan, it will bruise, it will crush your head. And you will bruise, you will crush Jesus' heel. Now certainly, if we're going to have a wound, we would rather have our heel bruised than our head bruised, our heel crushed rather than our head crushed. Because Satan was defeated when Jesus rose from the dead on Easter Sunday morning. Genesis 49.8, this is Jacob on his deathbed. He's in Egypt, and he calls his 12 sons before him to bless and curse them. In verse 49.8, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. This is speaking of Jesus in the future. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. All of the other tribes are going to bow down before Christ. Genesis 49.10, next two verses later. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh, Shiloh is another name for Jesus, comes. He's going to come back the second time. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. When Jesus comes back, all the Christians are going to be gathered together with him. Matthew 2.4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Now this prophecy goes all the way back to 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 14. And this is speaking of the priests that were evil. The priests in King Herod's day were evil because remember, they actually put Jesus to death by petitioning Pilate. In 1 Chronicles, this is the time of the kings, they were evil. And today, many of the people representing the Lord that are in pulpits, they're evil. Second Chronicles 36, 14. Moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed, that means sinned, very much after the abominations of the heathen. And they polluted the house of the Lord, which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. The sins of the, and abominations of the heathen, that's false idol worship. That's murders, sorcery, that's fornication, adultery. All of the things that are in the heart of man, those priests were doing. Now we look at Luke twenty-two sixty-six 66 and 67. 
This is speaking of, of Jesus on the day he's going to be crucified. And as soon as it was day, the elders of the people and the chief priests and the scribes came together and they led Jesus into their council saying, Art thou the Christ? Tell us. And Jesus said unto them, If I tell you, you will not believe. Matthew 2, 5. Now this is talking to Herod by the chief priests. These are not believers, but they know the Bible. You know, today many people read the Bible and they know the Bible, but they're not true believers. Now look what these chief priests say to King Herod. And they said unto Herod, In Bethlehem of Judea, that's where this Jesus is going to be born. For thus it is written. And then they quote Old Testament scripture. Micah chapter 5. This was written 650 years before Christ. But thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth. That's Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ. He that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old and from everlasting. From old means from when the heavens and the earth were created. That's when we start recording things. But it says from everlasting. That's even before heaven and earth were created. Because Jesus has no beginning. He's from everlasting. He has no beginning and no ending. And the only God can fulfill this prophecy. See, God is the root of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And all the way down to King David. And he's also the fruit, the seed. Because he's the root, the creator, he's God. And because he's the fruit and the seed, he's man. Jesus is all God and all man. And that's called the hypostatic union. Only God can be all God and all man. And he took the form of human and is called Jesus. John 7.42 Hath not the scripture said that Christ comes of the seed of David? There was 28 generations from King David down to Jesus being born. But he was a direct line to King David. He has the legal right to the throne through Joseph, who was of the tribe of Judah. And he has the flesh, the bloodline through Mary, who was of the tribe of Judah. And out of the town of Bethlehem where David was, so they're quoting the scripture to King Herod where Jesus is going to be born and come out of. It's Bethlehem. Now Bethlehem was only seven miles slightly south and west of Jerusalem. Herod could have gotten on one of his chariots with a bunch of his guards and gone and hunted for Jesus. But he didn't. He had another plan in mind. Now he's finished talking with these chief priests and the scribes and he sends them away. He says, oh, the meeting's over. Let's look at Matthew 2, 6. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people, Israel. This verse again says that Jesus will come out of the land of Judah and Bethlehem specifically. Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, Thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. Only Jesus has salvation. If you want to be saved from your sins and go to heaven, you have to go through Jesus. And he's lowly, riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. When Jesus went into Jerusalem on the Passover Sunday, he was riding a little foal 
He wasn't riding a chariot with a, a, a large horse. He was humble before God. He humbled himself before the Lord and became the servant of the Father unto death. Philippians 2, 7 and 8. This is Paul writing. But made himself of no reputation. He was born in a, a stable and they laid him in a manger. He wasn't born in some castle like a rich king and took upon himself the form of a servant. Jesus served all of mankind all of his life and was made in the likeness of men. See, God is a spirit. He could have made Jesus in the form of an angel because angels are spirits. But no, he took on flesh. He made him in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Point number two, King Herod's heart was deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Any, all of us in this room, our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Now, King Herod, he had just sent away these chief priests and the scribes. He found the information that he wanted. He demanded where Jesus would be born. And they said, in Bethlehem, he has the information he was looking for. And now it says he's going to call these wise men in. Remember, they came into Jerusalem with an entourage. There's a famous song that says, We three kings of Orient are. We don't know how many wise men there were. There might have been three, there might have been ten. From the east, we don't know specifically where they came from. And they were not kings. They served in kings' households. They were familiar with the decorum of kings and the protocols of kings. And they had an entourage because they were rich. Now, when Herod found out they were coming into Jerusalem, he wanted to know why they were there. This is his capital. This is the area he rules. And he found out that they came to visit the new king. Do you think that got his attention? Oh, you know it did. He wanted to kill this threat to his throne. Matthew 2.7. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, he's calling them privately, privily. He doesn't want the scribes and the Pharisees and the chief priests to know he's giving them counsel. He inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. He wanted to know everything about this star, where it came from, how long ago it was, but most importantly, when, what time it appeared. Because that gives him a timeline of how old this king, this threat to his throne is. Amen. Psalm 55, 21. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter. Doesn't this verse exactly define King Herod, the words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords. He was speaking softer than butter to these wise men, but he had his sword drawn ready to kill Jesus. Proverbs 15.3. Now, do you think God knew about this or didn't know about this? Look at Proverbs 15.3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. There's nothing King Herod could do to defeat God's plan of salvation, no matter how much Satan was using him. Matthew 2, 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. So now Herod is saying, hey, you know where this baby is? Where this young child is? He's over in Bethlehem. It's seven miles from here. Go and find him. And he says, and when you have found him, Bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. 
What an evil man. He didn't want to go worship. He wanted to kill him. But see, the wise men didn't know that. He had called them privately into a meeting and he's speaking to them. And they're listening to him. They believe what he says. Psalm 33, 10 and 11. The Lord brings the counsel of the heathen to naught. He makes the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. It doesn't matter what King Herod's plans were. The ideas that Satan was putting into his mind. God's going to bring his evil plans to naught. 1 Corinthians 3, 19 and 20. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. Vain means it's like you're grabbing empty air. There's nothingness there. Matthew 2, 9. This is talking of the wise men. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. This star that had led them from the far east all the way to Jerusalem, it apparently disappeared while they were visiting with Herod. It comes back and leads them to exactly where Jesus is in his house. Psalms 25, 12. What man is he that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he shall choose. These wise men feared God and they were physically being led on where they should go. Today in this room, if you fear God, he will lead you in the way you should go. Proverbs 8, 17. This is God speaking. I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. Now this is saying God loves us when we love him. It's hard for a child not to love his parent if his parent loves him. The same thing with God. Once we're adopted into God's family, we're a child of God. If we love God, he loves us. I love them that love me. That's what this verse is saying. But also note, it says, those that seek me early shall find me. Just as you're 14 years old, you need to seek God early in your life. He might give you 80 or 90 years. But for us in this room that have some gray hair, we can seek him early in the morning. Same thing. There we go. Amen. So, uh, point number three. Wise men have true joy when they find Christ Jesus and worship him. Matthew 2.10. When the wise men saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. There are certain things in our life that give us joy. Our families usually give us joy. One of the things that can give us true joy is when we serve Christ. He gives us that joy in our heart and our mind. Psalm 105.3. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. 2 Peter 1.19 We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. We live in a dark world. Spiritually speaking, sin is darkness, and our world, especially in America, is full of sin darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. Once we're saved, our body becomes the temple of the Holy Ghost. We now become the light of the world because of the power of God in our life. But it's speaking here until the day dawn. Jesus is coming again. That's the, when the day will dawn, we will get a glorified body, and we will no longer be able to sin. And the day star arise in your hearts. Once you're saved, you have the day star, Jesus Christ, his spirit, 
the light of his holiness living in your heart. Matthew 2.11. And when they were come into the house. See, Jesus is no longer in a stable in Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph have now moved into a house. And Jesus isn't a baby. It says they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped Jesus. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I think this is where we get the idea that there were three wise men because they had three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But the Bible doesn't say there were three. Now what's interesting though about their gifts, the Holy Spirit led them on what gifts to bring Jesus. Gold is for a king. Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Frankincense is what you burn to cause a sweet-smelling savor, and you do that as a form of worship. Priests use it to honor God. The wise men said, not only, Jesus, are you the king, you are God. And we're bringing you frankincense to burn as a sweet-smelling savor to you, Jesus. Now look at the third gift, myrrh. Myrrh is an embalming oil for dead people. This speaks of Jesus going to the cross. This little young child, they were saying, we're giving you gold because you're the king. We're giving you frankincense because you're God. And we're giving you myrrh because you're going to go to the cross and die for our sins. I don't think they totally understood all of that. But God told them what to bring as the gifts. And God knew his plan of salvation. What's also interesting is that frankincense and myrrh, they come from trees. You know, we have maple trees here in Virginia. And especially up in the Northeast, they drill holes and they drain out the fluid and they boil it down and we get maple syrup. These, there's two types of trees that live in that area of Babylon. And when you cut the tree, it bleeds. And when it bleeds, this resin over time hardens and becomes sweet. Savor when you burn it. And it also has the power to embalm when you put it on a dead body. That's a picture of Jesus going to the cross and being whipped with the stripes and bleeding for us. Psalm 72, 10 and 11. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Yea, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. This is a prophecy. One day, all kings will bow before Jesus and all kings will serve him. The top of page four. This is New Testament, Hebrews 7, 25 and 26. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. You know when Satan at the judgment seat says, Jim did all of these sins? God, Jesus, will be there as my advocate, as my attorney, as my intercessor between my sin that's due the wrath of God and God's purity and holiness. That blood that Christ shed comes and covers all my sins. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed those transgressions from me. And it says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord 
to the glory of God. Matthew 2.12, and being warned of God in a dream, this is the wise men, that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. So the wise men were warned in a dream that they shouldn't go back to Jerusalem and talk to Herod. So they went another way back to their land, wherever that was, Babylon, India, China, we don't know. They went back to the Far East, a different route. So Herod doesn't know that they found the young child Jesus. Proverbs 21.30. Now this is talking about how God destroyed Herod's plan. There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. It's impossible to have a plan to defeat God. It's not going to happen. Job 5, 12, and 13. He disappointed the devices of the crafty so that their hands cannot perform their enterprise. He takes the wise in their own craftiness and the counsel of the froward is carried headlong. Why? Herod thought he was wise, but God destroyed his plans to hurt Jesus. Point number four, the last one today. Satan used King Herod in his spiritual battle against Jesus Christ. Matthew 2.13. This is talking again after the wise men left. Now an angel comes and speaks to Joseph in a dream, the husband of Mary. And when they had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise! And take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word for Herod shall seek the young child to destroy him. Four times an angel spoke to Joseph. The first time was when Mary became pregnant with the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, don't worry. It's the son of God that she's going to bear. You should marry her. And he did marry her. This is the second time the angel speaks to Joseph and says, now Herod is going to try to kill this young child, Jesus. He's in danger. Go 200 miles south and cross over into Egypt. And then when it's safe, I will tell you. And indeed, later on, the angel spoke and says, Herod's dead. You can come back. And then the fourth time, the angel said, but don't go back to Bethlehem because Herod's son is on the throne. That's too close to Jerusalem. Go all the way up to Nazareth. And that's why Jesus is called Jesus of Nazareth. That's where he grew up. Matthew 10.22 And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Why do Christians get persecuted around the world? Why are Christians being blown up in Somalia, in Egypt, in Afghanistan? Why are Christians even persecuted sometimes here in the U.S.? Because Satan has the spirit of Antichrist in the world, and that spirit is always fighting against Christianity because Christians represent Jesus. Just like Herod tried to destroy the young child, we are going to have to fight against Satan in the spirit world. That's why we need to put on the whole armor of Christ Amen. all the time. John 15, 18. And if the world hate you, this is Jesus speaking. If the world hates you, you're a Christian. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Satan hated God when he rebelled in the heavens before God had created the heaven and the earth. He already hated God. Matthew 2, 14. When he arose, this is Joseph, 
When Joseph arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. He went by night. He got up immediately. He obeyed immediately. He took Mary and Joseph in the middle of the night and went down to Egypt. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that which is unprofitable for you. This verse is teaching us people rule over us. Obey them that have rule over you. I have to pay my taxes because the government's over me. Many of us in this room, we have a boss that we work for and have to report to as the manager. Justice, I'm your dad. I have a responsibility for your soul. You have to obey me in the Lord for this is right. And it's the first commandment with promise. Submit yourselves, for they that watch, for they watch for your souls as they must give an account. I must give an account for the souls of my six children. A pastor has to give an account for the souls that are in his congregation. We all have to give an account, especially for ourselves. James 4 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's how we fight sin. Submit to God. When we submit to God, we get close to God. Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. The closer we get to God, the farther Satan's going to get away because he doesn't want to be next to God. Matthew 2.15. This is speaking again of Joseph and Mary and Jesus. And was there until the death of Herod. They were living in Egypt until Herod died. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt... Have I called my son? Where do we see this in the Old Testament? Numbers 24, 8. God brought him out of Egypt. Numbers was written 1,500 years before Christ was born by Moses. And God's already saying he's going to take him out of Egypt. God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath as it were the strength of a unicorn. He shall eat up the nations his enemies and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. Only Jesus can do this. He's going to rule with a rod of iron. Hosea 11.1 1. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Matthew 2.16 Now this is back in Herod. He's in the capital in Jerusalem. He's wondering where these wise men are, why they haven't come back. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. It doesn't seem like the wise men would really want to mock King Herod. They were obeying the instructions from the messenger of God, the angel, and they went a different way back to the east where they came from. See, Herod in his pride, he felt like he was being mocked. And many times we read people wrong. We don't know what their motivation and thought is. And a lot of times in our pride, we think they're mocking us. That's what Herod thought. And then what he did, he was exceedingly angry. And he sent his soldiers and he killed all the children in Bethlehem. And all the children in the coasts thereof. That means in all of that surrounding geographic area. He killed all the children. How, what age were they? Two years and under. Now why did he pick two years and under? Because he asked the wise men when 
that light, that star that led them first appeared. And perhaps it was a year before that. So being safe, he said, okay, everybody two years and under, kill them. What a wicked man. I have one grandson who's now under, I mean, my granddaughter is under two. And my daughter-in-law and my daughter are both pregnant. So all three of those grandchildren are under two years of age. Imagine if those three children were murdered. The weeping and the wailing in our family. The sorrow that that would bring. Now imagine thousands of families like that. Proverbs 28, 17. This is speaking to people who shed innocent blood. A man that does violence to the blood of any person shall flee to the pit. They're running headstrong into hell. The pit being hell and the lake of fire. Let no man stay him. In other words, don't let any man get in his way. Let him run his course into hell. And today in America, every year we kill over one million babies by abortion. That's murder. Those people that are doing those abortions, it says, a man that does violence to the blood of any person shall flee into hell. Those murderers doing that abortion, they're running as fast as they can, headstrong into hell. Isaiah 59, 7, their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. Not only do they waste and destroy people, but they're wasting and destroying their soul for all of eternity. And then Jeremiah 31, 15, this is the last verse. This is from the Old Testament. Again, this is 600 plus years before Christ was born. It's a prophecy of what Herod's going to do to all of these little children. Thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rahel, that's the Hebrew word for Rachel. Rahel, weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. All of these moms would not be comforted because their children were not. They were dead. Herod has all of that blood on his hands, and he's in hell today. He was demon-influenced, perhaps demon-possessed, to murder all of these babies. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this Bible lesson that you gave us here from Matthew chapter 2. And Lord, in this world, there are people who follow in the footsteps of the wise men who came to worship you as the Lord, God, and Savior of their soul. And yet there are other people who are walking in the footsteps of Herod who are not willing to accept you and receive you as their God and Savior. And they're rebellious in their nature. They're prideful in their nature. And they're saying, no, Lord, we will not submit to you. And yet one day every knee will bow before you and every tongue will confess, Jesus, that you are Lord God. And perhaps in this room tonight, there's somebody who hasn't submitted their will to you, Jesus, that tonight would be the night that they receive you as their Lord, God, and Savior. And as we go through the rest of the Christmas season, it's a couple of days after Christmas now, and we're getting ready for a new year. Lord, give us many more opportunities to witness for your kingdom. And we love you, Father. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus, thank you for being honoring to your Father and obeying him and dying on the cross. And Holy Spirit, for being with us. Protect us as we go about tonight. We ask all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.